Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to the Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic Hour. We are here to take your calls today on Friday. It's um, what is it? The ninth today? Gosh, I can't believe how time is flying. Soon we'll be dead, hopefully. Nine one four three three eight zero one six four is the call in number. Please press one if you'd like to speak with us. You may also. Join us on Facebook and on Twitter. Those accounts are linked on our blog talk radio profile, Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic. I'm posting to our pages right now, and it's a little bit challenging because uh, because you cannot do it from the Facebook, I mean, from the blog talk radio page. You used to be able to do it, but not anymore. Anyway, so I'm working on that. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah, we've, you know, of course, just want to remind everybody that this is a free service that we provide. Love doing it, and we hope to hear from some of you today. But it does cost money to uh, to to uh, put the show in the air. It's four hundred dollars a year. So any donations uh, that you would be willing to give five dollars for the time that we spend helps to chip away at that cost. Uh, and you can reach us via Facebook in order to get our donation link. Anything else you want to say? I just reshared this to our same page. I'm not doing this correctly. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of institutions do uh, pledge drives, um, radio stations, and all kinds of things. But, oh, yeah. Uh, so it's public not radio, public radio is a lot. Yeah. Public TV. Not out of the ordinary. And so anything that you can share will help us, of course, uh, we're here regardless, but we appreciate anything that you have that you can spare. Okay. So. I think I posted all the shows successfully. You know, in most. Our other pages. Weekly or. We have a caller. Actually. Oh, we have a caller? Yeah, but go oh, ahead with well, what you're going to say. Well, in weekly situations, we get a call. So we're going to take Is that, that what call. you're going to say? And uh, we want to get to our callers before we start gabbing away. Is that what you were going to say? What were you going to say in a uh, no, situation? No, we'll, we'll All right. Hold on just later. a moment. Deal with you later. All right. Okay, we have 856. They are high. Hi. You do well. Gwendolyn. Hey, Gwendolyn. How are you? Happy holidays to you. Doing fine, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so I called to say happy holidays. And, you know, it's so busy over the past few months after our transmission went and I re- did my transmission and whatnot. So I, I've been holding button and barreling through. And um, actually, this week was a really good week with the full moon. So I was... Um, Actually, just curious on um, where things stand for me, numerology, with the numbers. I've been getting a lot of 10-10s, 11-11s, 4 They just keep, it's all around me. It's like all new phases. They're like flashes. It's, it's a good thing, though, I feel. Um, so you're 626-69, is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And 39. 12-3, so you are 54, right? No, 53. I'll be 54 this year. This year, but 53 right now, so we got to... 
and yeah. you're six months away from that, so we don't want to age you too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> Hold on, I'm waiting on that 69 hit. <laughs> so you're coming up on a big change again because it'll be your 18th cycle of your master number three when you turn 54 years old. You, your life uh-huh. goes in cycles of three and cycles of 12 because you're compounded. There would have been a big change, you know, of course, at 39, which we've already discussed. Which, what, what, what was that? Remind us. What happened at 39? When, at 39, that's when yeah. I um, pretty much decided I was getting divorced. Okay, so it was a divorce. Yeah, by the and, time I was 40, that was it for me. Okay. All right. Decided getting divorced. Okay, so you're asking about what? Oh, well, you've been seeing series of numbers. Yeah, they keep coming, and you know, there's this blue flame that always comes. I feel like it's Archangel Michael around me a lot lately. I don't. Know. The orbs are just really strong. Also, it the combination. It comes in these big waves. A lot of energy that comes and goes. Well, you know, I mean, numbers are somewhat random. Uh, we're, we, we live in a world of numbers. We see them all day long all right. in all different types of situations. And when your brain is unraveling at night, uh, numbers can be part of that concoction. And it's somewhat meaningless in that regard. Okay. Usually when, yeah. numbers appear, when numbers appear in a dream, it, it's pretty specific, um, like a date or a certain time. And then even yeah, then, yeah. I, I see them, like physically what? see them. Like it, my, the numbers don't come to me in dreams. Like I'm physically seeing them, physically out of oh, nowhere. That ten ten comes all the time, all the time. I don't, you know, wait, just random numbers. There's a certain sequence in numbers that always come, and it's always like 1010 always comes around me a lot when there's a lot of changes and new phase, new phase, new phase is what I always get with it. Like, and things will be when when it comes, I am in situations where I'm like, okay, this step, that step, and I'll pretty much follow it, and then it'll come around me. But the energy keeps coming and going. It's strong, and then it drops. You know, Gwendolyn, you would have to start attaching the numbers to a meaning so that you could then decipher what the numbers mean and how they might forewarn you or tell you something. Other than that, it's just Random. brain, brainly, you know, just brain commotion. Sometimes, I mean, what gotcha. I've experienced, I, what I've experienced is, I mean, there have been series of numbers that I've seen in the past that have related to specific numbers. Um, in yeah. my code or in my code and Neil's code, and that had a specific meaning. But there are also times where I'd see like four, 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 and then once your once my brain got attuned to that series of number or that time, then I'd see it. You know, yeah, you know, you, so you it'd know, be like weird. As human beings, we're 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 in we're sort of involved in all kinds of body motions. You know, you tap your foot. You you wrap your knuckles, you know. You nod yeah. your head. We, our our bodies are conditioned to be in in a process of movement. Same with our brain. Right. And so if you, let's say you have a habit of of tapping your foot. Uh, I'm doing it right now. My my foot's moving back and forth, back and forth. Some people rock. Some people, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So sometimes right. the brain does that. We're stopping off at the uh, asylum after yeah. after the. I, I don't think it has any meaning unless you incorporate a meaning to it and start to experiment. If a number is related, yeah. To Let's say you see four. Yes, I have for a long time now. I've followed them, and normally when ten ten comes, it's a lot of change. That's what it pretty much tells me all the time. Get ready, well, things are changing, and they have been, but for the good, of course. You know, which is nice. Well, numbers can designate a change. If if there's no specific number attached to a specific change, a life itself will have brain changes. 
So it's hard to determine. Right. Maybe, maybe those changes are coming because you coughed or blinked your eyes. It's hard to <laughs> yeah, say, right. You know. Well, you right. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you made an analogy. This is a little bit different subject, but she's talking to somebody who was doing a lot of sage burning and thinking this was going to be an effective way to you know clear spirits energy or souls energy. And uh, mm-hmm. you said to me, eating a cracker could be the same. Yeah. You know, we do the same thing as burning sage, which I, I, I mean, was very funny to me. Well, but. you know, I mean, there can be there can be true meaning behind the ritual, like burning sage, burning incense, incense. praying. You know, hop, yeah, you know, jump up, sit down. You know, you, you can incorporate <laughs> a ritual, a meaning, and and yes, and there are properties in sage and incense that can promote some kind of change or melancholy or peaceful or clearance. But yeah. uh, you know, it it's there's no general rule. I mean, not everything is is has to have a meaning behind it unless you just want to do it that way. So I don't yes, think... Yes, I don't get into all that all the time. Like, I'm not one of those come I have all the time somebody was near me. Let me hurry up and say, I'm not, I've never, never done that. Anything that I've experienced on the spiritual path did not come from me sitting down in a Buddha position and, you know, at a certain time of day when someone's direct that. No, it just, it happened when it happened and that they're random and they're they have meaning when they come in and I understand it at the time and sometimes it's a blur and I don't get it till later but I realize what happened I I don't do that either like seriously I don't believe that we have to do any of that I believe that we just have to be right with ourselves and what's around us and try and stay as tuned in and aware of the energies that are coming and going especially when I'm an empath so a lot of times it's not even my energy you know there is a certain logic. I mean, as human beings, we, we should be able to detect when a rain is coming. Uh, you know, we, we feel the energy. Animals understand the weather patterns, and they can uh, work around that. Because if you notice nature, it, nature and, and, and the, and the and ge- geography and, and weather patterns all seem to be connected. We've lost the Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love watching it. Before rain, there's certain, like, flocks of birds that'll come together, and they just, I, it is, it's fascinating and, and very, very true. I watch it all the time. I think it's absolute genius out here. Yeah. So what you're, what you're referencing really is our basic ability to have an instinct to something. We, we haven't, we've lost a lot of our instinctual uh, gifts. Because we we rely too much on mechanics and inventions and convenience, so from that we've lost a lot of our human our best human qualities. But that instinctual nature might be related to numbers as it's moved through time and space, and now it's nothing but kind of a meaningless set of numbers that that is suggesting change. When originally evolving backwards, de-evolving that you might have been able to perceive change by just the weather patterns or something in All your right. body, your heartbeat. So, you know, we, yeah. we have to analyze this in a very deep, almost scientific way, even if we allude to the uh, subject of instinct. Well, you know, in talking about the numbers, series of numbers, and in a lot of the New Age metaphysical books, there, I mean, I even have, I think, a few angel number books. So, you know, you look up the number and it's got this meaning, 444. I mean, I don't know what it means, but it means there's something attached to it, 233, et cetera. But, I mean, when we, you know, in fact, we were talking about this on our last show, um, when, you know, getting into the whole idea of numerology and attaching generalizations to numbers, it, it's something that but, is done and can be done, and the generalizations can be applied pro- appropriately if you know what you're doing with numbers. Right. But on yeah. the other hand, numbers I, have their own ex- individual expression depending on the person, even though Agreed. those generalizations can be applied. The 
right. one is a grounding number or it's connected to the earth foundation however what one does in someone's birthday is going to be different than another's and on right. that same token seeing 11 i i you know 11 generally if we're talking about you know making wide generalizations about numbers 11 is not a positive number it's a negative number and you will hear otherwise from most people in this field that it's an angel number that it's that it's a spiritual number that it's a twin soul number no no you see Ah. talking about a body rhythm i've never in my life used an alarm clock i i know when it's five o'clock I, my body will wake up. If I want to wake up at five, I'll wake up. So you yeah. can, your body, your body rhythm connected to your brain. You don't need even need a watch. Uh, when I was younger, people would ask me, well, what, t- what time is it? And I would just say, uh, it's 2.23. And they would look at their watch on their hand and it's 2.23. You know, and they go, well, you must be psychic. That's not psychic. That's being in tune with, I would say, body rhythm in relation to the day, the time. You know, you gauge. Uh, when you ask them, yeah. how long would this job take? And they go, oh, I would say about 45 minutes. They're not psychic. They're calculating yeah. an action in relation to a time scheme. And that yeah. is sometimes determined by evaluation, maybe experience, but it all its root system is that we have an instinctual ability to understand the concept of time and numbers because it does amount to numbers. We started counting first by using our digits, uh, you know, five digits on one hand and then each separate segment of the finger is a digit uh, in, in course of time. So actually we do have five fingers on each hand. We have 10 toes. There's five, 10, this 20, but then you count the individual joints, joints in your fingers and you keep adding yeah. up. You used our body in order to calculate measurements uh, from our, right. from our, uh, you know, our, our fingertip to our elbows, about three feet, that kind of thing. So uh, right. from the thumb to the pinky is about nine inches. So we, we, yeah. our bodies are a form of expression and, and explanation and conclusion. And so maybe that's what it all amounts to in a in a bigger picture of things, uh, Gwendola. Yeah, that that I like the way you put that. That's something that sits and um, yes, let's sink in. That's that's a fascinating um, perspective and a different one at that. And I I like that. I like that. I like that it challenges another perspective out there and yes being more in tune i don't go around doing all those things i pretty much naturally fall into them because i do stay in tune you know so all right cool well listen i did want to say happy holidays i don't want to hold up the line but um yeah so i'm in a space where i should be getting ready for more change however based on my numbers yeah yeah yeah, because okay. you have a change coming up at, at the age of 54. Yeah. The, Very the nice. last thing is, you, you know, when we look at numbers, you have, you actually have um, three, sixes, three sixes, which is 18. 18 but is, then you have a two and a nine, and two times nine is 18. So we could play right. with your numbers all day long and find fun things to gather. What it all means, you know, that's a different method of uh, explanation. Oh, I'm sure it's fascinating. Thanks for calling, Gwendolyn. Happy holidays to you as well. Yes, thank you. Enjoy. Be safe. You too. Okay. Um, You know, I'm the same way about time. I can tell what time it is. You know, I'll say, well, it's 1220 and look at the clock and it's 1220 or 1221. You know, I may be a minute off. And the temperature. I I know what the temperature is in the home, in our home. Yeah. Um, by feel. Yeah, I mean Which that's can drive the way me a little we're, nuts, but we're equipped to know those things. Our bodies can, our bodies and our mind have such faculties that we can, without relying on some mechanical or instrument, uh, calculate 
the, the process of time and the temperature around us and things like that. And the more we open ourselves up to that, uh, actually, the more expansive becomes our experience on the planet as a human being. Because we've become lazy. We've become lazy. Uh, you know, it, it's, we don't walk to the store anymore. Most of us don't. We, no. we put a key in the ignition and we drive. Now, that takes a certain amount of um, calculation and coordination and whatnot. But, you know, what it's done is it's robbed us of planting our feet on the planet, of walking, of using that energy. Now, of course, we do that. Some people but, do, and it depends on your location. I mean, if you live in a small town, and I was in a small town, I would walk, you know, to the gym, to the store. Yeah. I'd walk everywhere. But, I mean, when you live in a more urban or suburban area where things are spread out and you're not in a tiny well, town, you know, a lot of these harder. inventions, the car, the plane, was to utilize time so that we wouldn't spend four hours walking six miles to the store. We could get there in 10 minutes. So, well, with you know, that, but of course, with that efficiency, we've lost our connection. We've, yeah, we've yeah. lost our connection, and we've, we've sort of have to readjust our sense of timing now, because now we don't adjust what it takes on foot to get to the store. We adjust, oh, I'm, just, I'll be, I'm running up to the store, I'll buy some things, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Now, if you walk, I'll be back in about an hour, hour and a half. So we, we've actually manipulated time in terms of our internal and external experience on the planet. And more or less planes themselves, you know, rockets, missiles, everything has now been somewhat connected to the sense of time, space. We get into physics now, and we get into all kinds of different discussions. But, but again, it's a fascinating concept. Now, even a psychic has to conceptualize time. Instead of going somewhere to see if something's happening, they're supposed to envision something, whether it's past, present, future, or some location on the map, or some event that that has happened, that can be validated, or that will happen. Or that can be assisted with energy in terms of its occurrence. So then we deal with the concepts of Cosmic time, astral time, the mind-time connection. Now we're not even moving, and we're moving. We just sit in one space, and that this involves also the sense of imagination um, and how we imagine things and then maybe incorporate them into works of art. But all of this is, is how we, we actually conceptualize an idea and then presented in a form of action, in a concrete way, we create, we create a sense of the abstract into something, even if it's an abstract painting, into something that's concrete, you can see, feel, touch, that kind of thing. So when we get into the idea of now a psychic, psychics don't really, the true psychics don't really have tools. They don't have cards. They don't have numbers. All they have is the sense of their brain maybe connected to the abstraction of a third eye or some part of the brain that can transcend through physical space and meet something that is valid and real but not concrete. So this sense of pictorial abstraction, if you will, it presents itself in such a way that it becomes something real. Um, so you get the idea of what is imagination. You know, you don't go to the doctor and say, "Hey, can you can you um, can you treat me for imagination?" Well, you can be treated for imagination, but the doctor's not going to find it. The brain surgeon's not going to find it. There might be a lobus place in the brain where imagination. Can be, can be located in that form of the brain concept. But it's not something that we, oh, I left my imagination at home. I got to go well, pick it up. And, and a we, doctor we isn't going to, yeah, a doctor, I mean, unless you see a psychiatrist, I mean, in terms of dialoguing about imagination, that might occur. But I mean, when you're studying the imagination, 
as a doctor, it's, it's an, you know, it's in a scientific lab, it's in a lab or in a study, you know, you don't go to a doctor and discuss imagination. Right. Generally. But it, you know, it's root, it's root word image. So we have, you know, we were made in God's image, so to speak. The idea of image is biblical. It goes back in time. I'm sure when the first, when those ancient cavemen started to draw pictures on the caves, there was image, conceptualizing reality and putting it into a concrete form. Now, you know, we tend to think that God is this guy with a long beard and he came down and put some dirt together and formed man like, like some kind of gardener. Well, I don't think so. I think he was more I like think there was more like an arborist. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a spirit that formulated the sense of of man and woman by using the concrete blocks of imagination. Well, in terms of God, I mean, you're talking about God. We're, we we try to personify God, yeah. <laughs> and and God is not a human being. I mean, no, Jesus was a human being, obviously, that was formed into a form, human being. Formed into a human being, the three-in-one concept, of, uh, spirit, God, spiritual, religious, or Son, Holy Spirit. proportions. You well, know, then what would be the difference between God and the Holy Spirit? That's an interesting question. If God was a spirit, then well, the Holy well, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is within God. So, so, conceptually speaking, the Holy Spirit would be the highest energy of, of quote, God's God. presence. You know, there's something re- far removed from any physical reality, uh, even in terms of astral or soul or spirit. There's something higher about it, and and it's re- remember it's reduced to a to a term. It, the Holy Spirit is not a term. We've reduced it to a term. Well, how to can try you, to you define it? Some yeah. sense of, of explanation, but 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 the higher we go into the realm of a, of of uh, the higher realms of astral energy and what we personified as heaven or some afterlife. The highest realm is not explained in, in human terms. So in, There's in, no physical subject about it. So God himself, when we have to use that stupid term himself, and we've put it, <clears throat> unfortunately, a, a gender on God. God is not really, I mean, God is genderless, really. If God is a spirit, but God connected to the earth is more physical in his its form than the Holy Spirit, which would be the highest yeah. form of God. Actually, we were, we were we were in that sense we were created by deduction, reducing the essence of of the highest element into something concrete. So a rather crude living organisms yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that respect. And we ultimately, of course, were, were conditioned to, to get sick and, and ultimately die and decay. So, you know, there's nothing, the, the grandiose nature of the ego is somewhat temporary. It's a temporary wisp in the wind. It doesn't amount to anything eternal. To, right, we may got preserve a person's energy or action on the planet. We may preserve that in, in what they produced or in memory or, or the acts that they did. Sure, there's a traditional sense to to the afterlife that can be well in terms of concrete, the right the concrete the concrete uh, the concrete legacy that that a person left on the planet, but that does not necessarily graduate them into any higher form in the astral realm. I mean, you know, in some way, yes, it progresses the soul on its journey through the human lives that a soul needs to experience, because obviously producing something great on the planet has to amount to fulfilling some form of chakra energy, but it doesn't mean they've graduated into spirit by doing so. But just as, you know, Shakespeare created Hamlet, well, he didn't create Hamlet, but in the play form he created Hamlet. And Hamlet held that skull up and contemplated his, I knew thee well. Uh, but but there it is, a skull. 
it, the, 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 the physical features are gone. The, the reflection of intellect and emotion are gone. It's just a skull like anybody else's skull. Now, uh, archaeologists and, and people who study fossils can look at a primitive uh, skull and determine the brain size and maybe the orbit of the, and, and the teeth and everything and, make, and create an analysis of what this creature, this living form was in, at some point in time. But still, it's a skull. We're reduced to bones. That, that's what stays. That's the, the, the longest part of our afterlife in terms of the physicality of, the, of, of our being is that we're nothing really but bones. Everything else is going to go. And even then, the bones have become segmented and, and disassembled and whatnot. So when you get down to the bare essence, that's why we think, well, beyond the bone, what is beyond the bone? Is it dust? Or is it soul? And therefore, is it spirit? But those are things we can't see. We, we, we can't prove it. We only can allude to literature, some nature of the human consciousness to determine what is the soul, what is the spirit, and where is it going, and what is it all about after the bones are in the earth and everything else has vanished. Well, you know, that's our question. But in the meantime, we're, we're nothing but books within a cover. We have, we're born, we live, we die. A book is a perfect metaphor for existence. The content of the book is our, our, our actions, what we do, what we make of our life. We're writing our book, whether it's a series of numbers like Gwendolyn alluding to. You can look at a book and suddenly not understand a certain passage. Maybe it's in Latin. Maybe the book suddenly inventively creates a formula within the book, like something that Pynchon would do. And you're trying to analyze. Maybe there's a passage in the book that's hard to decipher, hard to explain. Maybe it goes into a dream, a flashback. So we, our books, our books, our lives are not always explained. But we don't have to know everything, but we can get through the book and so appreciate the content of it. But, you know. Um, <laughs> Uplifting uh, holiday chat. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, you know, about the whole number series, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, the depth of spirituality is oftentimes reduced to, you know, these hallmark yeah. Well, that's kind of redundant. You can't kill the spirit, but we use it as. But a no, it's a, right, exactly, and and then you know, to explain the essence of spirit in such rudimentary terms, and it is not is not well, is not doing spirituality yeah, but justice. You see, but you know, I mean, the yeah. abstraction took a form and destroyed it. They they made a form, you know, like Picasso and the Cubists and people, people that worked in, in 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 the world of abstraction. You take a form and you 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 disassemble it. You you cause you create an abstraction. And so in in our mind concept, we can abstract from from many things. We've abstracted from the sense of religion. We've turned God into all these different kinds of things, into, even in terms of uh, nihilism or, or atheism. Or, uh, we've, we've created a non-God out of a God. Maybe it's just stardust. Maybe it's just some DNA. You know, we, don't, we, we can't be confined by singularity, even though we like to think of it that way. We like to think in simple terms, if we can. Yeah, that's my point. But we can't help it. Our brains will flood our, our concept of what is singular, and we get into all kinds of convoluted things. And just because words try to place some sort of basis and foundation to things, things can crumble, disintegrate. So entropy, it, it's all part of the attitude of 
how things break down and what they become, essentially, as the terminology progresses or decreases into other forms of, of meanings. So, you know, we, even as we approach the holidays, uh, Christ has become Santa Claus. But, you know, now, now the, 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 the angels become reindeers. And the, maybe the apostles are elves. Who knows? Who the <laughs> hell knows what's going on? But, you know, we, we tend to, we, we can't settle with the basic, the basic instinct, just as we couldn't as creation. We're no longer holding clubs and walking around with our knuckles scraping the ground. Well, some of us are. Uh, so, you know, but there's something enlightening about that because it means that as as creations, we move. We have the ability to move. We have the ability to change, transform our thinking. I like it when someone says, oh, I used to believe in God, but I don't anymore. You know, I, I went overseas. I fought in the war. There's no God. You know, during the Holocaust, where was God? There's no God. So we 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 tend to we tend to condition our our sense of belief in something by the accordance of what happens in time and space. Right, if but I mean, good, you know, it's good if it's bad. It's bad. No, that's not that's not always true, and there's plenty of Holocaust survivors. Oh, I mean, uh, that that had steadfast faith I'm during the trial. About a certain section of the, yeah. of evaluating a sense of right. how and, we disintegrate. Well, well, and typically it's atheists that would say something like that, you know, well, how could there be a God when these things happen, when children die, when, you know, populations are wiped out. It, that's, that's typical language of an atheist or denier of God. Yeah, I mean, reason based on experience, you know, that's not scientific, but God isn't scientific. There's no, there, I mean, there, there have been, I mean, Einstein said there must be some ordered matter out there. Something, Even he believes, yeah, in God being a scientific mind, so, or yeah, it's a higher power. The surface of believing in it, right? But that, you know, but that's fine. You know, if if we if we are living organisms that work on a purely scientific level, and we have to be able to define things concretely, then that's fine. That's where the brain goes for certain individuals, because it's all part of the the pot. We're just, we can't be defined in singular terms, just as we can't be defined politically. You look at anything. Economically, we're not singular. Politically, we're not. Religiously, we're not singular. Artistically, we're not singular. We're not, we're not a uniformed army of robots that was made out of the same instrument in the same way, a repeat. You know, when you, when you order something online and, you know, you're going to get a, a, some kind of toy or adding machine or something, it all comes the same way. They're all built the same way, and the people who repair it build it the same way, like the cars. You can customize things and, and maybe reinvent out of the, the original invention. Basically, they're sort of track models of the same thing, repetitively created. Human beings aren't that way. Not even in the form of two eyes. Not all of us have two eyes. Not all of us are born with all of our limbs. You know, on the assembly line, there are rejects in that term of uniformity. So just so that's as a it, lovely inclusive language you're using. <laughs> Reject. Well, you're are, born without limits. Well, you're you know, reject. Well, well, in terms of uniformity. <laughs> no, I understand you're, what you're saying. It's just, I but know. But in terms of just... the human experience, you're a variation. There, there could be something unique about you. People who were born with tremendous birthmarks were either thrown into the river and drowned, or they were blessed by God in some way. There were, there Depending on the culture, time. yeah. So our cultures. And our cultures are strategically connected to geography, you know, our belief patterns. And, that, and look what that has done 
in terms of colonizing certain uh, primitive tribes and what we've done to them and their belief patterns so that there would be a sense of conformity. We don't like anything that is beyond the sense of conformity. It disturbs us unless you have a diverse mind and you find things fascinating and you appreciate all forms of variations of life and experience. So I, I don't really know how you can get away from that idea. If you look around the world, there's no, there isn't, everything's under a unit of life. Everything wants to live and everything has their separate energy fields in terms of how they exist. But there's variation. A mushroom is not a bird, but they both have a right to exist. Um, a bird comes from an egg, a mushroom comes from fungus. It, it comes from bacteria, it comes from energies of the soil. So some are poisonous and some yeah. are edible. Some birds are friendly yeah. and some are carnivorous. This is why I don't like, I'm not a, I'm a fan of mushrooms. Well, That's, I mean, it's a different topic. <laughs> but don't I'm not a big Carol. mushroom fan. Not a big mushroom fan. You know, uh, it it is anyways. All of this, there's nothing astounding about our dialogue. This is all just common, one penny intellectual thoughts. But but it, well, it does open to, up. Yeah, you don't have to put down what we're talking well, about. I mean, you know, well, I have I have the right to put myself down. <laughs> um, don't put me down. You know, but uh, you know, even at that. Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest what Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents. Ah, let's put him on a penny. Not a dime, not a dollar. Let's put him on a penny. Well, I mean so, in, you know, in that in that yeah. But you know what's on that penny? Liberty. But the well, I mean his idea of if people say that he was well, I'm you not, know, I'm judging he, his politics. I'm yeah, but I mean, well, you know, people say, oh, you know, he was a great, you know, a great president and he, 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 he didn't believe in slavery and all this. But I mean, he really was a separatist and didn't like blacks. But anyway, that's a different story. But putting him on a penny, I mean, at the time, he, when was he put on the penny? What year? Because well, that current, I mean, that current would pass more frequently through, I mean, well, that's why, you know, after the Civil War, after 1860s, somewhere in, in um, probably the early 1900s or uh, somewhere. The in abundance of pennies. I mean, you have to think about the fact that him being on a penny means that he, his face would be widely circulated. So I mean, putting him on a what a hundred dollar bill, he's not going to uh, be as cir- circulated as frequent. A hundred dollar bill is not going to be circulated as frequently as a penny, especially in the time that he was put on the penny. So in in that way, it's an honor because even though it's a small denomination of currency, he's you know more recognizable being common. on that penny. It it down, it, yeah, it brings it down to a common level. So and. Um, I wouldn't say like Thomas Paine that Lincoln is the common man, but but he did he did lead the nation into a union whereby quote slaves were given the right to exist and be human beings and have all the rights contained within the aspect of of being a, a human. They had rights. They they didn't. Slavery was was condemned. He had no right. To have, to have slavery and torture and all this kind of thing. So when, you know, when we get it, and again, that's the nature of expression, you know, expression, and we get into, when we get into re- expression, we have to get into what, what kind of restrictions do we have on expression, like on the Facebooks and the Twitter and whatever, you know, how much expression are we allowed to, you can't yell fire in a, private auditorium, and you can't advocate, uh, of, you know, overtaking the nation uh, on the radio. You, you can't. Well, you can maybe on the radio if you have your own station. Well, you can't. You might be able to, on, to uh, on Blog Talk penalty. Radio, you might be able to do you're that. You're forbidden. Mm, uh, I don't know. I mean, you can talk, like if you have your own 
for example, if you're on public, I mean, a, a AM FM station, obviously, you're going to be not allowed to, you're going to have more restrictions because there are corporate entities that own those stations. If you have your own podcast, I mean, there's still corporations that own the podcast hosting sites. However, there's more freedom to express on a station like this than there is on, you know, an FM station well, or on back TV. Back in the early 1900s, you could use the N-word in the South. Now, you could potentially be taken to court. Well, it's interesting, but yeah, and then we'll have, we have people that refer to one another, people of the same race, using that terminology, which is, you know, another matter of, I, I mean, that's offensive to me. When they, when, when people... It's like if I called you cracker. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, I mean, derogatory statements is, is just a matter of, of obnoxious, obnoxious, ignorant ego behavior, prejudice and ignorance, and, and thinking that one race should, should rule the planet. It's just ridiculous. We are indigenous. We're, we're, we're all separate entities. We should celebrate our cultures. I, I love it. We're, I, I hate to see cultures uh, dispersed in such a way that well, we you, are being you homogenized. See, you don't see the rich culture. We, no, we're being but homogenized. You do, we do, but you don't. There are individuals that don't want to see that. They don't like it. But I mean, celebrating culture, um, celebrating culture and maintaining your individuality as a culture is not, is doesn't have to, be exclusive of other cultures and sometimes when celebrating one's own culture that's what happens um which isn't great yeah yeah i mean it we we, ideally we have to engage with diversity and respect the the separate entity of what we would consider to be unity there are separate components to that and that's something we should always recognize and acknowledge. But, you know, I mean, we're not really getting off the topic of our mainstream uh, theme here as being psychics, because I think a, a good psychic is a knowledgeable psychic. It, it's somebody who has some sense of the wonderment of life. Um, psychics have to probe into the unknown. They have to enter that depth of darkness that no one else can see and bring light to it. So, you you know, to, to, for the brain to do that, there has to be some sort of abstraction of physicality. And there has to be an openness without judgment. Uh, the, the ideal psychic is non-judgmental. They, they present what they see and then be careful. They try to form opinions well, you have to be judgmental. I mean, but in that regard, you have to be, you know, you have to exercise judgment as a psychic. It gets difficult. It's tri- It's tricky. It's tricky. Because someone says, well, what do you pick up about this person? Can I trust them? Now you're, you're, you're compelling the psychic to make a judgment. And how does the psychic make a judgment about a person's character? without being biased or prejudiced or, and, and on what level, on what level do they make that judgment accurately without having some sort of personal adjustment to their explanation? And not only that, but when you're assessing a person and, you know, for example, there are many people that will call and, you know, they may be stuck on a certain person or I, stuck on a job and the the personality defects of that individual that's being read are completely obvious to the psychic. But pulling someone out of their own, um, out of, out of their, their unhealthiness isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily, you know, imposing what you think as a psychic about another person's behaviors that are uh, maybe harmful to themselves. I'm not talking about like self-harm necessarily, but, but bad habits or, or the way they formulated their psyche into being unhealthy. It's not necessarily the job of the psychic to pull them out. It's the psychic's job to help them eventually. It's like a psychologist 
um, eventually start to change their habits and patterns and behaviors so that they become health, healthier, you know, even though the psychic can see the unhealthiness automatically. Yeah, it, sometimes it gets down to the explanation of what is fixed. You know, it, can I trust, is he going to steal from me? Yes, he's going to steal from you. He's going to steal from you. Or this person will cheat on you. Or you two will get married. You know, things that a psychic sees that's fixed, just as doctors make their determination and say, well, it's time for hospice. You have two weeks to live. But when there's that gray area, you know, is this man attracted to me? Yes, he's attracted to you, but he's not ready for a relationship. Well, should I keep, is there hope? Yes, there's a chance. There's a chance, but there's no guarantee. And that person stays stuck in that could be. You know, yeah. I, I mean, is that healthy? Not necessarily. But is it the job of the psychic to pull that person out of that pattern? Uh, well, sometimes it, in the sense of evaluating or promoting some sense of a prediction, it, there's, there's always the likelihood, and this goes from science all the way down to being psychic, that there could be a chance for something. And you make it on an educated calculation you're calculating that there could be a chance based on your on the amount of education and experience you have. Right, but that chance can keep a person stuck for years. Well, on chance after chance after chance after chance. Sure. You, at some point, you have to know when to pull the plug. When it's just, that's it. Of course. But there's always that measurement of risk or, or that dubious kind of moment when you quite aren't sure yet and you're going to give it some length and brevity of time or brevity of time in which you you chance it out and then you make your conclusion. Oh, and of course it's the individual whether they're going to you know follow that advice or not in terms of uh, yeah but that's the hardest part of being psychic is that medium moment when you, you can't say yes or no and then, like you said, you have to maybe put some due date to it. And that just is a form of evaluating what is healthy and what isn't in terms of extending it. Well, so we've got our 90-second uh, warning now here. we filled up our time. And again, we wish everybody a, uh, well, we'll be back. <laughs> Santa Claus yeah. isn't coming to town yet. Not so. yet. I don't know. So. Maybe for some people he is. And maybe perhaps it's Jesus coming to town. Uh, I don't know. Or Moses. Or Buddha, Muhammad. So anyway, cheers. We'll see you next cheers. time. Okay. We're back on the air at a regular time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good weekend. <laughs>